Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 49 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. This week, I'm looking forward to the start of the new season with some thoughts of what to look out for in that very first inspection of the season. short and sweet a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span a beekeeper in fact just like me well although it's quite cold outside and the frosts have begun in earnest the sun's shining brightly today and unlike yesterday when we had quite a dense fog for most of the day it's beginning to look a lot like spring will soon be here The hazel catkins are in full flower right now and a gentle tap showers the air with a cloud of pollen. I've collected some to look at under the microscope and to show how easy microscopy actually is, especially if you keep an eye out for my online beginner's course that's going to be available fairly soon. Anyway, with it looking really lovely and sunny outside, my mind drifted towards the start of the new season. It's obviously still some way off as this is uh, just late January and we've got the fairly cold month of February to go through first but just like those summer holidays that you book in the winter they come around very quickly and are gone in a flash and I imagine that the start of the season will be exactly the same. So I thought I'd take a look ahead to what I'll be doing in a few weeks time when the daytime temperatures start to increase and the bees start to get out a little bit more and we start to think about that very first inspection. Keeping a watchful eye on your colonies through the winter is essential, although this doesn't have to happen on a weekly basis. It's good to check up on them fairly regularly just to make sure that there are flying bees and that they have enough food stores. As the warmer weather approaches, the temptation to carry out a thorough inspection grips many beginner beekeepers, and too many of you put your bees in a dangerous position by inspecting far too early in the season. The reason the colonies are put in danger isn't because the beekeeper is clumsy or that there's some hidden risk. It's simply that the beehives get opened when the outside air temperature is far too cold to be carrying out any meaningful inspections. As we head into spring, the colonies should be building up nicely with an increased brood area as the queen increases her egg laying day by day. Unfortunately, this also coincides with the winter bees, those that have been keeping the colony alive throughout the dark, cold days of December, January and February, those bees start to die out and it creates a reduction in the overall numbers of bees in the hive. So those bees that are left have to work much harder to keep the larvae fed and protected. This mainly means protected from the cold outside temperatures. Remember the brood area is going to be kept at something like 34 or 35 degrees centigrade and if you're splitting open the brood nest in temperatures that are of single figures the bees are going to have a really difficult time in bringing the brood area back up to the correct temperature. The result of this is that it leads to something called chilled brood and what tends to happen is that the bees will only be able to get the temperature of the brood area up from the middle out, and so the larvae on the outer perimeter of the brood nest are left in temperatures that are far too cold for them to survive. When you finally get back into the colony to inspect, you may find a ring of brood on the outside of the brood nest area that's died out. That's chilled brood, and generally it's the fault of the beekeeper. 
better still to sit on your hands and not inspect the bees until the daytime temperature is at least 15 degrees C. Some beekeepers like to call it t-shirt weather, but I saw a chap a few days ago in a t-shirt and it must have been around 8 degrees centigrade, so better go by the thermometer rather than the goosebumps. You'll already know if you have a live colony in the hive, as you'll have been watching them over the previous few weeks, so that first inspection is really to check how they've coped through the winter. Pick a day when it's not blowing a gale too. Nothing chills a brood nest quicker than a keen beekeeper in a brisk spring breeze. So wait for a calm, warm day, and aim for the warmest part of the day, usually around lunchtime if possible. The plan here is to be focused and know exactly what you're looking for and to get the job done as quickly as you can so you close the hive as fast as you can, minimising the risk to the bees. Let's take a look into one of my virtual hives to explain what I mean and what I'll be doing when I'm going through my hives for real when the weather warms up. The area of most interest are the frames immediately either side of the brood nest and the brood nest itself of course. Count the number of seams of bees that you see and make a mental note of it. I say it out loud sometimes as it seems to register for me that way and usually I may have a few beginners out with me so it's good to share that information with them and to get them into the habit of doing the same thing. Next, remove an outer frame to give easier access to the rest of the frames. I normally look to the outermost seam of bees and split open the frames at that point. So let's say for convenience sake that I've opened up a hive and can see six seams of bees, an average number for this time of year perhaps. I remove the outer frame, we'll call that number one. The cluster occupies the frames furthest away from me though, as that side of the hive gets the sun and is the warmest side of the beehive. I now have ten frames in the box with the seams of bees starting between frames six and seven counting away from me. I insert my hive tool between frames 5 and 6 to move all of the unpopulated frames away from those seams of bees. As I move the frames away I'm looking down into the exposed face of the frame that's frame 6 to see if I can see bees and brood. So let's say that I see bees but no brood so I use my hive tool again to gently pry away frame 6 to expose frame 7. I'm now also looking at any food stores that might be around the top of the frame because one of the important jobs of this inspection is to make sure that they have food enough to keep them going. Frame 7 has a seam of capped honey around the top edge and as I lift it out I can see there's capped worker brood in the centre of the frame. Not much but it's clearly visible. I put the frame gently back in and ease it back against frame number 8. What I do next may surprise some beekeepers, but I put my hive tool at the far side of the brood box and gently but firmly ease all the remaining frames away from the side of the brood box wall. I move round to the other side of the hive, just for convenience, and look down at the exposed side of what is now frame 11. It's covered in bees, the frame looks well populated. I ease frame 11 away from frame 10, and look at the exposed face of frame 10 as I lift out that frame to see if I can see any food and brood. I lift out frame 11 and check both sides for food stores. 
The frame is actually empty of food, but it has brood on both sides. So now I'm quite excited, as this seems to indicate that the colony is bursting with brood across the six frames that it counted with bees on. Frame 11, though, has no food in it. So I replace frame 11 back into the box and ease it tight against frame 10, making sure that they're pushed up nice and tightly together. This leaves a space between frame 11 and the side wall of the hive, and here is where you can help your bees. Remove a frame full of food from the first few frames that had no bees or brood in them, that's frames 1 to 5. Pick a frame that's loaded with capped honey stores or sugar syrup if you were feeding them sugar syrup in the autumn, and if there's pollen in it, so much the better. Place this in the gap between the hive wall and frame 11 and open up a few of the capped cells in the middle of that frame to encourage the bees onto it to start feeding. So why do this at all? Well, firstly, the bees at the far end of the box will have a ready supply of food for them and the brood. The warmth of the sun will soften it, but you're not moving the brood nest too far away from that side wall so they'll still benefit from the warmth of the sun. As the bees eat their way through the capped stores that you've just given them, they'll free up more space for the queen to lay eggs in on that side of the hive that they're favouring. They'll naturally move the growing nest across to that side. By moving only one frame, you're giving them food, but you're not moving the brood nest so far across into the cooler part of the hive where it may be more difficult for the bees to maintain the correct temperature. Before you close up the colony, Check the frame that faces the brood nest on the cooler side of the box. So in this example, that would be frame 5 or thereabouts. If it's full of food stores, you can leave it in place. But if it's completely empty, it might be worth replacing it with a frame that's still packed with sealed honey and pollen. But be warned though, try to avoid moving a frame of ivy honey, if that's what you have in your area, as that will still be set solid and the bees may have a tough time utilising it. Once you've swapped around the frames, place the empty frame on the outside in frame position number one, and then use your hive tool to ease all the frames back tightly together and close up the hive. All of that should take very little time, but only if you know what you're planning to do and you're prepared for it. It's really important to have in mind a plan of why and how you're going to inspect. Of course, what I've just described is a really good outcome, and it doesn't always happen that way. So what do you do if you find your bees are struggling? Well, first of all, follow exactly the same process of checking the bees. It doesn't matter whether there's six seams of bees or only three seams of bees. The process is the same. So let's say you only find three seams of bees, and they're surrounded by solid ivy honey. And there's just a small brood nest on just one frame. I found this in many colonies over the years and it's surprising how a small colony such as this can be really robust and survive into the summer. The important thing here is to help where you can and let them increase gradually until you're able to support them further with perhaps a frame or two of brood from another healthy larger colony. So that would be later in the spring. For my part I'd just leave the cluster where it is and place some fondant. I'm using the Happy pasta fondant currently that's the stuff from happy valley honey and the bees seem to really like it from what i've seen 
Anyway, position is everything. If you have a shallow eek, I would get that on and split open the fondant along its length so you can place it directly onto the frames above the bees so that every seam of bees has access to the fondant. Don't cut a tiny hole in it and position it to one side. You need to get that food available across the entire cluster. If the bees are high on the frames, it's not always easy to get food down onto the frames themselves without crushing bees. And here I like to place the fondant on top of the crime board. Of course, the simplest thing to do is to place the fondant over the centre hole in the crime board, but that could be useless. The bees are not inclined to move to the food if it's still too cold, and they could still starve. If, like me, you have crime boards with the two port-to-bee escape holes cut into them, you can position the outer hole directly above the bee cluster. That way, you can get the fondant directly on top of them for easy access without crushing bees. Again, close them up as quickly as you can and only go back to check that they're accessing the fondant. No more inspections until the weather really warms up. You'll be surprised how effective a little fondant can be. I've had colonies that looked pretty much dead in March and then go on to produce five supers of honey for me in late summer. You just never know. Of course, there's always the colony that you pour your heart and soul into to help them survive and they still fail. Or worse still... You carry on feeding them and treating them and giving them all your time only to find that they really don't develop into a full-size colony until September when it's time to close them down again for the following winter. But that's another story for another day. Well, good luck with your first few inspections this spring and thanks for hanging around until the end of the podcast. I'm Stuart Spinks and that was Beekeeping Short and Sweet. (laughs) 